It just felt like we needed a little bit of good old USA today. Didn't it? I mean, uh, we love the world. God, Jesus came to save the world. He didn't come just to save the United States of America. This is not a political statement, but it, can you imagine? It is a blessing to be in the United States. I many of you travel as I do, and you travel the world, and you just always come back. And the second I hit, and I, you know, now I've got to go through customs. But nevertheless, you step in, and you just go, wow, it's good to be back. Uh, what a privilege it is just to be able to meet here. You know, there are a lot of people, a lot of churches, uh, people, people groups, even in 5, 10, 15, 20 people that don't have the opportunity to meet like we do today as if this is just kind of normative. So uh, I thank you, all of you who have, uh, many of you laid down your lives uh, just to really did sacrificially so that we could be here. And uh, it's, not, uh, it's not anything other than a blessing, not anything other than a blessing. So uh, I've got a little bit before we get going here. <clears throat> Many of you were here. Raise your hand if you were here on Sunday night. Raise your hand. Many of you were here. We had about 250 people here on Sunday night to talk about this land acquisition. And uh, so uh, let me just say, many of you have uh, done extremely sacrificially. I know some, some gifts, very sacrificial, that will change your lifestyle in ways, ways you've committed because you're so committed to this idea of having uh, our own our own presence, not just a place to meet, but our own presence. And so for many of you, I'm very grateful. I thought, you know, uh, I had one particular one that came in this week that just moved me to tears. Uh, and it's one of our, uh, our all-time favorite people. Many of you will know him. But I found out that Robert had made a commitment. Uh, you know, he was at, Robert came through the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission and his own testimony. So it's not, I'm not speaking out of school here. He was sleeping under, sleeping under bushes here not a few years ago. And now he graduated all through the New Life program, and now he's out actually helping the homeless. And, you know, and I have big visions. He's going back to get his GED. He's making straight A's, straight A's. I get, I get his report card all the time. <clears throat> Look, we can, we can, highfalutin, we can do, be highfalutin about the kingdom and what Jesus does in our life, but the reality is he actually does things in our lives that dramatically transform us. It's not just something, well, I kind of believe that now. I mean, we believe there's a supernatural reality that happens with a new spirit on the inside of us and a new heart. And then when I found out that he had made a commitment to the building fund, I'm like, really, Rara? You know, are you sure? And he's like, no. And I said, well, why don't you come up and just share why you did that? I just found out. He didn't tell me anything. I just found out that he'd made a commitment to the building fund. So uh, welcome our, our beloved Robert Ratliff. <laughs> So what is going on in your head that you're gonna that you're gonna that you want this church built? Why? Why? What is it about this that's going on in your head? Nice and tight, so they can hear you. All right. So like you know, um, just God is just like you know, God is good in in, in all kinds of ways in my life, and and uh, He's brought me like from like a journey of just like total despair and abandonment, and like He gave me the best church family, and you know what I'm saying, and the best loving people that I can even. I can't even imagine to be around. So, you know what I mean? And like when 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 I came back from Christmas on my Christmas vacation, and uh, and Jeff was like, okay, you know what I mean? He was talking about the building fund and stuff like that. I was like, man, I want to be a part of that. So I was like, I was driving down the street, and Caleb was like, okay, you know what I mean? Forty dollars here, fifteen bucks there, and and I was like, I was like, I was like, I know exactly where what I'm. I was like, I, I know exactly how I'm gonna contribute. So so God put it on my heart to uh, to just you know what I mean? Just uh, to give to the to our church because just just me just uh, just uh, having a home to, um, having a home being built here that's huge that's huge in the, in the, in the, for the Lord Jesus Christ and in the kingdom so 
So, I mean, he's building a place in, in the kingdom for us. So, what can we build a place for him down here? So, I mean, that was like, you know what I mean? So, I, I like, like that. We're changing our tagline. We're changing our tagline. No, that was great. So, amen. I mean, well, I know we got a lot of guests and things this morning, but, uh, I mean, you talk about a tough start to your life. Would you just mind just repeating? I mean, you, you told me the story. You've been very public about it. I mean, you had one of your parents were killed. Can you just yeah, mention one of, that? Yeah, one of my, uh, when, I was, when I was growing up, I was like, uh, I was like, I wasn't even, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was, my mom was pregnant with me. I was, she was in prison, and I was, she was pregnant with me. And uh, I didn't really get to see her until I was about seven years old because she shot one of my stepdads in the head and killed him dead because he molested my sister. So I only seen pictures of my mom and dad, you know what I mean, until I was about seven years old when she got out of prison. So I think that's when I first saw her, so. Then we became, you know, we kind of became like, you know, what I'm saying friends, and she was my mom, and I loved her. So I just only seen pictures. I never touched her or anything for about, you know, I me mean, till I till I grew up. So I mean, I was a little kid, seven, eight years old. So, so does this Jesus thing work? Oh man, this is the best thing in my life. Like, <laughs> 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 I love you, bro. Love you, bro. See, if, if there weren't stories like that, and this is just about a, a bunch of people getting together, and, well, I kind of believe this, and I kind of hope that's true one day, and maybe there's heaven and hell, I don't know, but, you know, I'll go to church every once in a while. It changes lives. It dramatically changes lives. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as Robert's. I mean, Laura and I have, in my view, just as dramatic a thing. We had a dark heart. We cared about nothing but us. Our whole world revolved around us. And now the paradox is, as we give our lives away, we find it. Jesus said, if you'll give your lives away for my name's sake, you'll find it. But if you try to conserve your life, keep your life, you'll lose it. If it's all about you, you're going to lose it. In the end, it doesn't work out. The people, some most successful, most popular, most wealthy, most famous people on the planet take their own lives very early. They see it over and over and over. And if they don't kill themselves by design, they do it through addictions or whatever. I mean, people just so consumed, and all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and I'm going to begin to do that, whatever that means, and I don't even really know what that means. And as you do, you begin to find your life. It's just a real paradox. But the more I see it, and I just never, when I see somebody with a heart like Robert's, and I see them begin to live into Christ and have a new spirit and new heart put on the inside of them. Nothing amazes me. That's why Paul says, as we alluded to last week, we recognize nobody according to the flesh anymore. We recognize them according to the spirit. And what I see there is I don't recognize them according. I don't care about it. It's his testimony. But I never come up and go, oh, there's Robert, you know, parents and this and that. I forget. You forget what lies behind. You go, there's a guy that wants to cross the Jordan, that wants to have an impact in the kingdom, he wants to feed the poor and do that. I mean, why? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy's a prince. That guy's a king. That guy's part of a royal priesthood. I don't recognize him according to where he was three or four years ago. I recognize him as a brother, family member, and somebody I'll spend eternity with, right? Can I come over to your house when we get up to eternity? Good, good. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> All right, so we, look, we're diving deep this morning. We're continuing our progress. Why? Because these things were written for our instruction. <clears throat> this is written for us, not just moral codes and to throw rain on your parade to give you life, to give you life. So let's pray. Father, we need help this morning. We, need, we really need help. Lord, we need help in so many different facets of our lives. But uh, your word, again, one of my favorites, Psalm 107.20, and he sent his word and healed them. We need healing. 
we need healing in here this morning from our old ways of thinking and our ways that really kind of end up in futility in the long run. Divorce, addiction, just nonsense, crazy, sexual addiction, all the kind of things we can find ourselves. And then all of a sudden we say we need help. Lord, we need help in understanding your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> here's where we are for those. That I know we have a lot of folks that are here for the first time. We're talking about this template. And what is a template? It's just this picture of what happened to the nation of Israel, which is pretty much the whole first two-thirds of your Bible. Starts in Genesis chapter 12. He inaugurates a nation through a person called Abraham who became the first Jew. And then he's going to, through Abraham's seed, he's going to bless all the nations. That would be Jesus 2,000 years later, 4,000 years removed from where we are. So 2,000 years after Abraham, and then we're now 2,000 years after Jesus. And uh, that's what we get. So, And Israel comes forth from the loins. Now I'm speaking biblical language right here, from the loins of Abram, right? And this nation comes forward, and then God begins to deal with them in a physical way, and then we learn what? We learn from their physical journey. We learn what our spiritual journey looks like. It's kind of a real long, drawn-out parable. It's why Jesus taught in parables. He said, it's like this, and he'd give us a physical reality so that we could understand the unseen reality. How would we understand spiritual unseen things if we didn't have something concrete that we could kind of wrap our arms around and go, oh, that's what he meant. I didn't understand that. That's what this whole thing is. So uh, last week we finished with Joshua chapter 1, the first 11 verses. And here's a couple things we learned. They're crossing over. Be courageous. Be fearless. You know, every place that the tread of your foot trods, every place you step, I'm going to give it to you. They were inheriting a physical land from a physical people. We're not into that anymore. God's not telling us to go out and kill people for, for the kingdom of God. Only if the church would have understood that for years. We don't do that anymore. What do we do? We take physical ground. In other words, we take physical, pro uh, spiritual, excuse me, spiritual property. And there's spiritual property that he has for us here in the valley if we'll listen to his voice. And the people that take that property are people who cross the Jordan. So we've been talking about the crossers. Now, what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is some of the most, if you don't understand the context in which we're looking at this, it's going to be some most dry, boring, seemingly like irrelevant to my life in the 21st century stuff you will ever see. But if you'll put on your spiritual lenses and look into the unseen realm and realize that this is a pattern for us right here in the Coachella Valley... then you're going to get a lot out of it. It'll change your life, okay? So we're going to deal with three unique tribes, actually half of one of the tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and then there's a tribe called Manasseh, and it's half Manasseh on one side of the Jordan, half Manasseh on the other side of the Jordan. It's kind of a strange, let's try, let's try to work our way through this. Uh, I think it's going to be impactful for you. Verse 12. Now, after we read the first 11 verses, it says this, to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, for those of you who are new and never been around your Bible, there are 12 tribes that came forth from Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, then has 12 sons, and they become head of these tribes. It says, remember the word of which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. What land is he talking about? Land on the wrong side of the Jordan, on the wilderness side of the Jordan. Well, why would they be giving them land on the wilderness side of the Jordan? I thought they were all supposed to cross over. He said, your wives and your little ones and your cattle will remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array, all you valiant warriors, and you shall help them. Until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you, 
and they may possess the land that God is giving them, and then you can return to the land. In other words, you can go back across the Jordan, live in the wilderness with this land that you've taken. And then all the way down to verse 16, they answered Joshua, says, all that you've commanded us, we will do. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so will we obey you. And it goes on. What's going on here? Uh, what's happening here? Why, why are they taking land that it appears that God has promised them on the other side of the Jordan? Why not crossers? Are these not crossers? Well, they said they're going to go in battle array and help their brothers out until they get their land, and then they'll go back. We've got to know a little bit more about the story. We're going to have to go all the way back now to Numbers chapter 32. Now, what had happened here, and I'm not going to read all of this, but what had happened is they approached Moses while they were still in the wilderness, and as you'll see, they're like, it's pretty good for us over here. And then we're going to start to understand, well, what does that speak to me in the 21st century? So here's what happened. Numbers 32, verse 1, it says, Now the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the, had an exceedingly large number of livestock. They were wealthy people. Read 401k, read all that. So when they saw the land of Yazer and the land of Gilead, that's on the wilderness side of the Jordan, what we're trying to get out of and cross over to, from, excuse me, so when they saw this land, that it was indeed a place suitable for livestock. We've got a lot of stuff. It fits here. We like it over here. The sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben came and spoke to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the congregation. And then there's Adaroth and Debon and Jazer and Nimron, Heshbon, and, you know, you get all the names, right? Which none of you are going to remember anyway. The land which the Lord conquered before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock. And your servants have livestock. This fits, right? You know, we get all this stuff. And, on the, yeah, I know, it's, I know it's not in the promised land. I know it's not in the land flowing with milk and honey. It's over here, but it's good. This works, you know. And uh, we like it over here. And it says, if we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. So they were asking Moses for it. And then what does it say? Don't take us across the Jordan. We don't want to go. We like it over here. Now, let's understand the template here. Okay, are you with me? Once you come out of Egypt, you're coming out of the world. You're like, all right, I'm, I'm turning my back on the world. You go through the Red Sea. You go through your baptism. You start to learn. This is what we've been talking about the last number of weeks, right? Okay, so you go into the wilderness to be discipled, and hopefully, hopefully, you begin to get a passion to really move into the missional parts of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, not just a churchgoer who comes and like, all right, we'll do it our little holy huddle, and that's why I've told you from the day one, I have no interest in only providing religious services for religious people. I'm just not interested in that. I, I, that's part of what we do. But the primary goal of Church at the Red Door is to go, look, we've got something that helped Robert and helped Jeff and helped a lot of us, and we cannot keep quiet about this. We need to talk to people about what's transformed our life. We cannot keep it to ourselves. Are you with me? That's a missional church. Well, here's what happened. Well, don't take us across the Jordan. You know, we like it here. Our stuff fits here. But Moses said to the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, boy, he got angry. He said, shall your brothers go to war while you just sit here? I mean, is that what we're after here? We'll let, you know, we'll let them do it. We'll let them be involved in the church. We'll let them reach out to their community. We'll let them start a Bible study at their country club. We'll let them start a, 
a group at their business. We'll let them worry about their coworker. Yeah, I know he's a he's addicted to pornography and this and that, and has cheated on his wife five times, and and I know it's destroying their children. Now there's children are becoming addicts, and this and this and that, and just one thing after another. But we really we kind of like to keep our religion to ourselves. We don't want to cross over there. We're comfortable here. Now, why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing over into the land which the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. So remember when they sent the spies in, they came back and go, oh, it's just it's overwhelming. It's better that we just stay over here. There are giants in the land and there's all kinds of stuff going over there. We're going to get wiped out. He said, you're just like them. They saw the land, they discouraged them. So the Lord's anger burned in that day, and he swore, none of these men who came up from Egypt will enter in, except for, again, Caleb and Joshua. Joshua of Nun and Caleb, son of Yephunneh. So who are these two? They were like, we can take it, we can go. So we talked about that at length in here. But what was happening? Now, they end up saying, look, what? no, 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 you don't understand, Moses. We're willing to go over and fight until they get all their lands, and then we'll come back. But just let our kids stay over here. Let our children and, all, and our livestock stay over here, and we'll come back over here. And what happens when Moses says, okay? God says, all right, you can have it. Have you ever had that in life? Do you remember back in the early 70s? And some of you went, early 70s? I, I see some younger people here like, what are you talking about? What? 1970? Uh, no, I don't remember that at all. Well, this is going to be, this is really going to bring up some memories for you who are at least my age, middle 50s. You'll remember the Burger King commercial, right? Have it your way, have it your way. I guess there was a point at which you get a hamburger and you didn't have any say as to what went on it. You just said, I'll have a cheeseburger, please. And, and, and like move through the line on Seinfeld, you know. And if you said, no, I want mustard instead of ketchup. And they're like, oh, well, you can't have that. We're not, we're not going to give you that. No, there was a moment, and this is a 1974, and I went and found this. And it, this is so funny now, but this was actually a commercial on Burger King. Let, let's watch this clip. Two Whopper Juniors and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your grilled beef Whopper fresh with everything on topper. Any way you think is proper, have it your way. Now that's the way to do things, our way. Have it your way, have it your way at Burger King, Burger King. Can I get extra ketchup? Yes. I mean, I just love that. I, I, you know, this is unbelievable. Have it your way. Come on, have it your way. I think what happens is that God says, okay, have it your way. I mean, you want to stay on this side? Now, you got to understand there's a fancy theological term called soteriology. What makes for salvation? Well, first of all, I believe in the absolute, just the God saves people. We're saved by grace through faith. Not be, whether you cross or don't cross or... The, Look, if you believe into Jesus, you look up and see Jesus, and you go through your baptism, 
you leave Egypt, I believe you're saved. And I believe in the security of the believer. I really do. I feel strongly about that. If I didn't, I'd be terrified because there were moments in my life that I don't think you go, you leave Egypt and then you go back in Egypt. And you leave Egypt and you go back. And I'm saved and I'm not saved. And boy, I just hope Jesus doesn't come back on a day that I'm not feeling so saved. I don't believe that. I believe all of these people, even in the wilderness, I believe that they're saved. But I think some, God says, okay, have it your way. You don't want to cross, you don't have to cross. You, you, you don't want to give your life away sacrificially to see me glorified. You want to keep it private or something? I mean, I would, be, I would question whether or not uh, my, what my relationship looked like if I just didn't care about my neighbor. If I felt like I had. But you know the people who don't really share are the people who really maybe haven't experienced the depth of what Jesus has for them in the first place. There are certain things that you just have to share. So Lori and I recently got this. This is ridiculous. She's going to, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Uh, oh, by the way, since I'm in trouble, I might as well go ahead and do this too. So Laura, I showed her that clip. I said, what do you think? And I show this? And she goes, oh my gosh, it's exact. She worked for Burger, she worked at Burger King when she was in like high school or something. She goes, I had that hat. I had that hat. <laughs> oh, I'm in big trouble now. I'm in big trouble now. So uh, anyway, since I'm in trouble. So, so we, we finally decided to get these adjustable beds. They're like, because see, I spent all that time in the hospital last year, and the only redeeming quality of being in the hospital. <laughs> so, if I'm gonna TV turn on, <laughs> and then you can elevate your feet. <laughs> they, they're called adjustable beds. I didn't even know these things existed, I just thought they were for hospitals. And then I started talking to somebody, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Randy, have you ever heard of this? He goes, oh no, be, you know. You know, uh, Jack and I have one of those. You do? People have these at their homes? Oh, yeah. Pete has it. So Pete and Randy and like, why, have, why haven't you guys been sharing this with you? So now I, see, so you are all my friends. I'm telling you about split king adjustable beds. Hers goes up different than mine. I can go up. You know, I start to snore at night. She just goes, and I start snoring. And then I get my back hurts, and my feet go up, you know. It's just unbelievable. Well, if I'm sharing that, don't you think it's strange? Like, I think these are, this is like miraculous. And I'm sitting here telling all you about it. And then I have this personal relationship with Jesus where he's changed my life, but I'm really not that interested in talking about it. Do you see the problem in that? It's not a, now, this is not a, oh, bad, you know, you need to be sharing your faith. Look, there's a deeper problem if you're not sharing your faith. You're probably not experiencing it to where it's life-giving enough that you cannot not share it. You can't give out what you do not possess. You can't sit there and talk about a relationship with an invisible God if you don't really know about your own relationship. So it's, and then you start hearing about, you know, building a church or doing something or crossing the Jordan or giving your life away or what, you know, sacrificing in any real significant way. You're like, ah, hey, you know what? Our stuff and our people, we feel better on this side. And God says, have it your way, have it your way. And you're like, ketchup? Are you following me? See, that's what happened here. That's what happened here. Is this God's perfect plan for your life? I do believe in the permissible will of God. God says, all right, have it your way. I think you see it over and over in Scripture. But some are like, no, I am going to cross. I have the heart of a crosser. I cannot keep this to myself anymore. I cannot watch the people on my block live in darkness. And I see all the dysfunction around me and all the, 
I just see all this stuff and it just, it kills me. I've got to be part of a community. Now our gifts are different, right? So we all have different kind of giftings. So our gifts are different, but I'm just have to, I just have to be part of something that's reaching into dark places. In fact, it controls everything in my life. Everything runs through the filter, through the matrix of, uh, I want, do you, do you go out to dinner? Have you been out to people? Well, we've been out to dinner with them 30 times, and we found out the other day they were Christians. Can I just say there's a problem with that? Or they've been out to dinner with you, and they just found out you were a Christian. Now, it's fine to, you know, maybe go out and have something, and you don't know exactly, and then you find out a little bit later. But I'm just telling you, you're not... And I, I am not patting myself on the back because I had one of the darkest hearts. And I, you know, I, but, but I will tell you this. I, we have made it our intention to be crossers from day one, from day one of our marriage. And I, just, I don't even know if we'd still be together if we hadn't decided that we were going to be crossers at that point, Jordan crossers. So God allows you, I think, it, at times to have it your own way. Now, you know, this immediately brought to my mind as I was thinking about this this last couple of weeks. Matthew chapter 19, this is another place where I think God says, okay, have it your way. There's something that had happened here. Uh, Chapter 19, Matthew 19, verse 1 says, When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him because he was healing people, right? So you can get an attraction of people if you're healing people of their diseases. So some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him. They weren't really interested in the answer. They were just trying to catch him in some kind of a thing where they could accuse him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? They knew the law, by the way, very well. You could go back uh, to Deuteronomy, I believe it was chapter 24. There's very specific places for the outline here. He says, is it lawful? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And then Jesus said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, what did Jesus do here? He went back to chapter 2 of Genesis. Had he gone to chapter 3 or later, this might be a slightly different conversation, but he went back to chapter 2. Here's the perfect plan of God for man and woman, that you don't get divorced. How could you do that? You're one flesh. Uh, Genesis 2.24, and he saw that it was not good that man was alone, so he created a helper suitable for the man. And so they came together, and they became one flesh. All right, beautiful. But then the fall happens. And what happens with the fall? Well, darkness comes over the land, and our hearts got really hard. Well, they then came back with this. Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said... Because of the hardness of your heart, he permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it wasn't this way. See, I think what, I think what Jesus is saying here, he said, here's the perfect plan of God. Divorce? I mean, how, why would you? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the plan from the beginning. But at a certain point, the world gets so dark to keep a woman in a place of submission. you got to remember, back then, sorry, women, but back then, you, let me tell you something. Jesus has done more for women than you will ever could ever comprehend. Jesus has done more for Some people think Christianity, you know, subjugates women and all. Let me tell you, Jesus, historically, culturally, and every other way, has done more to liberate women than any other human being that's ever walked the face of the planet. And we can have that conversation, happy to have that conversation. Jesus 
absolutely values women absolutely equal with men. There's no hierarchy. But back then, there was a significant hierarchy. And if you had a, a man that was abusing you and mistreating you and, you know, whatever, and there was no way to get out of that because of the hardness of your husband's heart or whatever, and you were forced to that kind of lifestyle that may end up leading to your children being, you know, in a horrible situation and everything else, Moses permitted it after Genesis chapter 3 in the fall. He permitted it because of the hardness of your heart. See, I think there's a principle here, and the principle is that, yeah, I think Jesus permits you to stay on that side of the wilderness, if that's your heart. Have it your way. There are consequences to it. There's a, and these are not that there's a bad people on this side and good people on this side. These are still, I believe, saved people on this side. I really do. I believe they're saved people, but they just don't. And I'm going to try to prove that to you. You can say, wait a minute, I don't know about that. You're talking about, no, if you don't cross the Jordan and, this, and go into the fullness of your calling, which I believe this is a picture of, you can have it your way. You can have it your way if you want to do that. The, uh, the Lord, per, I believe the Lord would permit that. Now, you say, well, I'm not so sure about that. Well, let's go back to Mark chapter 4. And this is the, so Jesus tells the parable of the sower went out to sow. And then he just says, look, the sower goes out and he throws some seed and some of it falls on the, you know, on this hard dirt and the birds come and eat it. And it obviously doesn't grow anything. And he throws it over here. And then there's a, kind of some rocky soil. And then he throws it over here. And there's some thorns. And, and, they, and the rocky soil, it starts up. But boy, as soon as the sun comes out, it, it just kind of withers. And they don't, none of it is able to ever produce any fruit. And then here, here's something. It starts to, oh, it's looking good. And then, uh, then these thorns come in. And it's not fruitful. But then some of it finds some good soil. But even then, some produces 30 some 60 and some hundredfold. Well, they didn't understand what he was talking about. They're like, what? What does it have to do with us? I mean, aren't you going to set up your kingdom and aren't we going to be really high in your administration and we're all going to drive really nice cars? <laughs> Chariots. Uh, are you with me? That's what they're thinking in their head. They're thinking temporarily. He's trying to. So here's Jesus. Here's Jesus explaining what he just said about the birds and the seed and all that. So verse 13, talking to his disciples, he said, do you not understand this parable? He said, how will you understand all the parables? In other words, this parable, this story that Jesus says, is so foundational. It's like, if you don't get this, good luck with physics. You better get math 101, a little bit of algebra, some trig, and blah, blah, blah. You're, you're, gonna, you're, you're talking about theoretical physics over here, and you haven't been through these fundamental basic math courses? I mean, good luck with that. I, it's funny, uh, I, I heard, I wasn't watching it, The Big Bang Theory last night, a little bit of it, and I had heard, no, I was watching it. And, uh, and so it's funny because if you know anything about that, there's this, this smartest guy, Sheldon, and then you've got this other uh, young Penny, and she's kind of trying to be an actress, and she's waitressing. This is, I'm trying to understand the millennial mindset, right? So my, at my age, I actually goes back as far as way back, where you go all the way back to um, Cheers and, you know, even further than that, I go all the way back to MASH. I mean, there's kind of these successive, successful, and friends, I guess. I wasn't quite a friends person or anything. But I watched this Big Bang because I'm curious about this, and he's trying to teach Penny physics. And obviously it didn't work. All she could do was parrot a few things. She said, Why? There's no way she had a foundation for that. It was ridiculous. And yet Sheldon, you know, in his mind, I mean, he's smart enough to teach anybody that, but obviously he couldn't. So the point is, you've got to have this. Jesus is saying, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything, almost anything I say, because Jesus taught in parables. He says, okay, here we go. The sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. 
This is what God says about reality. You say, I don't believe that. I don't, you know. I'm just telling you, this is what God says about reality. That's, that's the, this church, the Red Door, is built on this. That's why we talk about this book every week. Okay? These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. This grieves me because I know in a crowd like this, uh, you know, you got, you know, and, and by the time you hit the door, I know some of it has already been snatched away out of your mind. You're already thinking about, all right, we're going to do this and this and this. And it doesn't, it doesn't even penetrate the cerebral cortex. It's gone. And that grieves me. But that's just the reality of the seed of the word. Now, in a similar way, there are ones on whom the seed was sown on rocky places. And when they hear, immediately receive it with joy. Like, that was such a good message. And they get out to the car and they're already, you know, they're spouse and they're we're not I'm, we're not going here for lunch no we're going there you know and all of a sudden just the the persecution of the world and all this stuff it just begins to choke it and they receive it with joy but there's no firm root it's just temporary and any kind of affliction or persecution or anything arises and it's over and then there are ones that the seeds were sown among the thorns and then, and this is probably very uh, much a big part of what happens here in the valley too. And they heard, but the worries of the world and then the deceitfulness of riches, thinking if I just had a little bit more bling, my life would be perfect. It doesn't work. And the desires for other things enter in and it chokes the word and it becomes what? Unfruitful. And then lastly, even still, some finds good soil. I got it. I think I understand that for the first time. I want to be fruitful. John 15 says, your father desires that you bear much fruit. What does that look like? He said, but even then, some are 30-fold, some are 60-fold, and some produce 100-fold. Why? I don't think it's God chooses, okay, that's going to be 100-fold. That's going to be a Billy Graham. That's going to be a guy that just gets in by the skin of his teeth to use a southern colloquialism. Bedside, yeah, he's going to be a bedside, you know, confession kind of guy. Live his life for himself. Devastate lives his whole life. At the last second, maybe he'll just get in, right? And people are offended by that. I don't think God does that at all. It's a function of the intention of your heart. Here's the thing. If you want to be a crosser, it's the intention of your heart. If you're like, I cannot not tell other people. I have to be part of this battle to see that new lives are formed out of dark hearts. If you don't have that passion, you're not a crosser yet. You're not ready. Take another lap around in the wilderness. Now, these, these two and a half tribes, for whatever reason, weren't willing to do that. Now, the question is, was there any fallout from that? And if you don't know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said, then we need to go 700 years into the future. And we, get, we pick this up in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 25. Now, it's very interesting. Speaking of these three tribes, it says... They acted treacherously against the God of their fathers and played the harlot after the gods of the people of the land. Well, what land were they in? They were supposed to take the land. The land that you're in, if you're, if you're with mission people, if you're people that care about dark hearts, you're going to be affected by that. Can I just tell you, I'm very intentional about people I hang out a lot a, with a lot. I want people that are massively, massively involved. Every day they get, they get up thinking about people coming to Christ. Somebody comes to Christ, they're like, it's, it's the high point of their day. They could get a bonus or their stock option can come in and the price goes way up and that's all good and fine. 
All right? They could have a great time. But what's even more important to them is that somebody got baptized or somebody come to Christ or somebody's given their life. Or, you know, are you following me? These are huge. And then this is, catch this. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pool, the king of Assyria, even the spirit of Tilgath-Pilneser, king of Assyria, and he carried them away into exile. Who? Namely, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh that had not crossed. Interesting. And brought them into Halah, Habor, Hera, and the river Gozan to this day. Who were the first people that got wiped out? The ones that didn't cross. Why? Well, they just started to adapt, you know. Well, we like, we don't, you know, we don't like. Jeff goes way overboard, you know. I'm safe. I'm fine. I got my stuff. I got my thing, you know. And I throw a little money every once in a while. But I, or, and you got to remember, these are not bad people. Let, let me be clear. These are not unsaved people. But here's what they do. They, in fact, they were even willing to go and kind of help fight. They're, they'll go on a mission every once in a while. Yeah, I'll go feed the poor every Thanksgiving and come over here. And, but I'm going to go right back over here on this side because it's easier over here. You know, there's not so much battle over here. There's not a lot of, but you got to realize that you're also probably not going to be with the missional people that you want to be over there where you grow. You know who I grow around? People who are absolutely on mission. So passionate that they cannot not be in this fight. Remember, the land flowing with milk and honey is a war zone. There's some people who just, I will, not, I will only be there. I don't care about my safety. I don't care about my money. I don't care about my, I care about seeing people come to Christ. That's all I want. Now, what, what makes you that? I think it's the intention of the heart. I think this is a choice we make. I really do. You know, when Laura and I first got married, we, we'll have celebrated 27 years of marriage here coming up, and <clears throat> there's no reason we should have made it after the first year. It was dicey, and uh, it was all her fault, and uh, <laughs> of course, it was mostly all my fault, right? There's no way. The second year, you know, third year, and then, you know, and kids, we were going to have kids, and, you know, it just, I've watched a miracle, and she's watched a miracle. I got to see the miracle of her. And she got to see the miracle of me being transformed by the grace and the love of Jesus. But, you know, early on in our marriage, we read this Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> we didn't understand a lot. I couldn't have told you one trillionth of, of what I even tell you now. But I just said, I said, honey, it feels like that I want to be a hundredfold. I don't know if that's possible, but why wouldn't we want to be a hundredfold? Why would we want to be fivefold or tenfold or even thirtyfold? Why, why wouldn't we want to be a hundredfold? And she's like, I, I, you know, and I remember us getting down on our knees. And we, we didn't, this is not about ability. This is not about, and we just pray. I remember, I'll, it's as clear to me as anything. Lord, we want to be a hundredfold. Whatever that means, we want to be a hundredfold. Now, it's, there have been times in my life, I'll tell you that, I was like, I wish we wouldn't have prayed that. <laughs> because with the, with the blessings on the other side of the, on the other side of the Jordan, come great battles right and they're the dark night of the soul you cross over there's a dark night of the soul but can i just tell you if we go back just a few verses in first chronicles 5 is it easy is it any easier on the other side it's like oh, this is comfort and wonder well who were the first ones to get wiped out they were 
First Chronicles 5 verse 18 says, The sons of Reuben and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh consisted of valiant men. These are not uh, men who don't cross. They're not that they're not valiant. In fact, they bore the shield and sword and shot with bow and were skillful in battle. 44,760 who went to war. They made war against the Hagrites and Jatur and Nafesh and Nodab, and they, and they helped against them and the Hagrites and all who were with them given into their hand, for they cried out to the God in the battle, and he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. You've got to understand that they were not, let me be clear, they were not bad guys, didn't care. They had their occasional battles, but they just didn't want to cross over. For a little while and then back. It's more comfortable over here. But I don't want to go too far, right? I don't, to, I, don't get, I don't want to take this religious stuff too far. I don't want to go too far because I'm going to start looking like Joe. But I don't, want to, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to, like, lose my mind for Jesus. Well, I'm not saying you have to lose your mind for Jesus and have your back of your car with 8,000 bumper stickers and all that kind of thing. I'm not saying that that's not that. But could you imagine a life where you didn't get up thinking about Jesus and his kingdom and talking to your father every day? You need to cross over if that's your heart. If you want to be 30, 60, 100 fold, you got to cross. You got to cross. Now, in closing here, <clears throat> there was one last story that emerged in my mind. So anytime I go back to the Old Testament, I said, if these things really were written for me and I need them, I'm telling you, I live my life. These are very meaningful for me. I don't want to just go to the New Testament and find here's a few things you can apply to your life. I want to know, like, who, who wrote that? Who's a, I forget, the, it escapes me, The Art of War. Who's that? Who wrote yeah, yeah, the art of war. I want to know. This right here, what we're learning, is like spiritual, spiritually speaking, it's the art of war. Okay? And so I care about war. Why? So people can be killed? No, so that people can be released out of captivity. See, our battle is to see people released, not to take people into captivity. In the spiritual realm, you're trying to see people released from captivity. So every time I see something having to do with the Jordan and there's some on this side and some on this side. I'm going, oh, maybe this applies. And I think it did. Could, here's the question. Could the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, could they have learned something from their forefathers? Yes. And it was the very first thing that happened right after the Abrahamic covenant was made. Genesis chapter 13, and we'll close with this. Abram has been called, and this is also our journey, right? So all this helps us, right? So Abraham's called out, not of Egypt this time, but of Ur of the Chaldees. Go to a place that I will show you. I don't have all the information. I've got to do a cost-benefit analysis. I've got to do a... No, 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 no. Just go where I show you. I'm going to make in your seed all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. What did he have to go on? Nothing other than the voice of his Creator. So he went, and the Bible simply says, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. God says, there's a righteous man. He's doing what I'm telling him to do. In his heart, he hears my voice, and he's doing what I'm telling him to do. Well, he, the very next chapter after chapter 12 is chapter 13, and he takes his nephew, and I'm not going to read it all, but they, they go in as a function of time. They go into the land, and, and first, Abraham, when he first crossed, he went to a place called Shechem, and we'll see more of that in Joshua 8, between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and he built this altar, and then there was a famine. He goes back to Egypt. And then they come back up to, and they're in Bethel, okay? So now he's, okay, now we got to figure out. But he, he had a lot of livestock, and his nephew had a lot of livestock, Lot. And what happened is, is their, herds, their, their herdsmen were getting into some confrontations. 
So Abram's like, well, you, you figure out which land you want, and I'll take the other. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so he says, great, well, I'll do that. And so Lot sits back there, and he goes, hmm, where am I going to go? Where does the land look good? Can I just tell you, the land on, even though it's wilderness, it looks good over there. It looks easier. I can be a Christian and just, you know, I can just kind of coast. I'll coast on the tails of other people. They can make the sacrifices. We'll still go. It's not like we're not saved. Uh, no, 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 no. You pick the land, Lot, and Lot goes, hmm, that looks good over there. And where, what land do you think he picked? The other side of the Jordan. Now, back then, it didn't look so much like wilderness. In fact, the place that he looked looked exceedingly good. It's what we know today as Sodom and Gomorrah. If you've ever been to the Dead Sea, it's pretty dead. Good name, right? Not a whole lot of vegetation around there. It's roughly the area Sodom and Gomorrah were. And all the Valley of the Jordan, which is on the other side. Now, it's actually fairly productive today on, in the Jordan Valley and things. But he says, I'll take that land, and he went. Well, if you know the rest of the story, Abram says, okay, I'll go. And so Abram goes back, and he's there, Bethel, and the Lord says, look up and look north, look south, look east and west, and I'm going to give it all to you. It almost sounds like exactly what Joshua was going to encounter. See all this land? And then he tells Abram to go and walk around on it. Why do you think he had him physically go walk around on it? Because I think it's just like Joshua. Every place that the foot of your soul treads, I'm going to give it to you. And he told the same thing to Abram. He said, all this land, look north, look south, look east, west. I'm going to give it to you. And all your descendants, they're going to be so numerous, you're not even going to be able to count them. It's going to be like sand. There's going to be everywhere. That's the promise. Lot took the easy route. And, well, if you know the rest of the story, he gets down and he is oppressed incredibly by unprincipled men. That's what happens sometimes. You get people on the other side and you just go, wow, you ran into some problems. And he had some bad neighbors. The right, Bible still says that he was a righteous man, by the way. We see that in Second Peter. I'll read that in a minute. But he goes back, and eventually uh, God has to, and God saves him out of the wrath that came. And so he was saved, and along with his wife. Now, the picture you see behind me, do you know what they call that rock outcropping? They call that Lot's wife. Why do they call that Lot's wife? Because she turned around as they were about to destroy God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah she turns around to look he said if you even turn around to look and she was turned into a pillar of salt like that now do I really think that's Lot's wife uh, if so she was a really big woman but anyway so um, but no I don't think that but that's what they call this little out rock outcropping it rock outcropping which is right near that uh, the Dead Sea area there there's one thing I do believe and I'm not trying to just you know make some comment out of nowhere Look, if you want your kids, your grown kids, now once, once your kids are out of the house, once they're still in the house, you have a lot to say. But once they're out of the house, if you want them to see your God and embrace Jesus, what's the best thing you can do? You can cross the Jordan yourself. I believe that with all my heart. When you have adult kids or grandkids or whatever, what's the very best thing? Beat them up, tell them they got to go to church all the time. If you don't do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. No. Just quiet, love them, love them where they are, continue to love them, and live out your calling. Cross the Jordan, be fruitful yourself, and as you are, they'll see that. They may you may never see it in your lifetime. I've told you the story many times, but I've seen it happen very often. People come, all of a sudden they recognize at even a memorial service of their parents, and I've done them. And the kids come up, I don't want anything to do with your religion. I don't you know, you're God. And then all of a sudden they go, and then they're just overwhelmed 
and many of them come into the kingdom at your very memorial service because it hits them all of a sudden that I, I didn't really realize what I had lost until they were gone. You cross the Jordan, you become fruitful, you watch what happens to your adult children. Don't try to beat them up with morals and this and that. Look, they, they get it, right? They get it. See, Lot chose the wrong side and chose not to cross, and what happened? Cost his family a lot, and if you know the dysfunction that went on after his wife was turned into a pillar of salt, it got even weirder, and the only word that comes to mind is yuckier. It got weird and yucky, right? It just did. Well, that's what happens sometimes when you stay on the other side. So 2 Peter closes with this, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. God, if he rescued righteous Lot, and I love this because he still calls Lot righteous. Lot was, Lot was part of the family. He just lived on the wrong side of the Jordan. Oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Can I just tell you, if you stay on the other side of the wilderness, there's something in your soul that you just know is somewhere deep down it's not right. It's not right for you to ride on the coattails of other people. It's not right for you just to go occasionally go on a little missions trip and say, oh, this is kind of sacrificial, and then run back over to your thing. Why don't you just give yourself to the kingdom? There won't be this cognitive dissonance that goes on in your head anymore. You won't be tormented in your soul. Make it your intention to be fruitful. Why? Because Jesus said your father desires that you bear much fruit. Why wouldn't you want to bear fruit? The reason you might want not want to is because maybe you're not so sure about all this. Maybe who knows what it might be. I, my encouragement to you today is love. It's one of absolutely impassioned love. This is a love letter to you. Jesus says, I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to have the blessings of crossing over. Yeah, they're battles. But where there are battles, the greatest battles are the greatest blessings. And the greatest blessings always come with the greatest battles. And it happens on the other side. The wilderness may look good. You may feel saved and all that. And, you know, I'm, I've got enough. We'll stay over here. I'm just telling you, Jesus crossed the Jordan and laid down his life. And then he says, now you pick up your cross and you follow me. Let's cross together. Does that make sense? All that out of some weird Reubenites, Gadites, Hagrites, Mosquito Bites, right? <laughs> out of all that, and you just go, wow, this is really helpful to me. I had so many people say, this has really, really been helpful to me. I hope it was to you as well. So last thing I'll say, <clears throat> our Ground Up campaign, you know, <clears throat> if you weren't here, these are outside on, on, the, on the little tables out there, circulars. If you'd like to still make a pledge and you weren't, by the way, if you got my if you got my missive this week, you can go to a private link and be part of that Sunday night deal. Even though you weren't there, I would encourage you to do that. A lot of testimonies. Some of our team, I ask each one of our team members afterwards at a staff meeting this week, 20 people or so, and the, the consensus was it was one of the most spiritual nights I've ever experienced. <clears throat> Asking for money is spiritual. That was weird. That's what that, that kept coming up. People, I said I was weeping. I said I was too. My pocket. No, I weeping. <laughs> Because of the spiritual nature and the glory of, of what was happening. So if you think you still might want to be part of that, <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you the number, running numbers, not for another week or two, and then I'll give you an update and say whether or not we're going to be able to do it or not. Maybe we can, maybe we can't, I don't know. But we've had some very sacrificial giving. I have to believe that the Lord's in it. So those are available to you outside. And I'm going to ask our beloved, our very beloved, uh, Pastor Randy, our executive pastor, to come up and just give you a, just a one tight tiny close here. Here he comes. Um, 
come on down, you know, I feel like. And Pastor Randy's going to close us in prayer and then just give you a little heads up uh, on the women's breakfast coming up. You are something you, else. Pastor I love Jeff. you, buddy. I love you, buddy. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. So are we excited about following our calling, stepping out, making Jesus famous, helping people fall in love with Jesus? Doesn't that sound exciting? Sounds like something we all need to do. So I just want to encourage you. What a great message from Pastor Jeff. I just want to encourage all of you to uh, think seriously about what God has called you to do, what he's put on your heart, and to make that a focus this week. Um, I also want to make an announcement here before we close on the women's breakfast, which is uh, coming up on March 14th. And if you women, if you haven't registered for that, it's going to be an awesome, awesome breakfast, awesome meeting. Catherine Martin is uh, going to be the guest speaker from Quick Time, uh, Quiet Time Ministries. I had a problem with Quick Time this week, so <laughs> on my computer. Um, Quiet Time Ministries. And so please, if you uh, want to be part of this, do it today. I know last year this got sold out and it was fully booked. So... Um, on your way out, stop at the desk. There is a special table for the women's ministry. Uh, I was already instructed to buy two tickets for my wife and a friend, so I've done my duty. But uh, please, please do that. It's going to be a great, uh, a great Saturday morning. I know. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let me just close this in prayer, and uh, then I have one other thing I want to just uh, share with you, dear Heavenly Father, as we. Finish up this morning, Father. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, what a privilege to be here among your people, Lord, at this time to hear your word, Father, for our hearts, Lord, that would cause us, Lord, to go forth with a desire, Lord, to make you famous, Jesus, to step out into what you've called us to do, to go out, Lord, into that place where faith operates in an amazing and profound way. Lord, help us this week to have eyes to see and ears to hear that we may be part of your family that is making you famous in this valley this week. Amen. Let me just close in a uh, scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 18. I'm sorry, chapter 13. Uh, verses 11 through 14. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Thank you.